welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Arden, hey, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to talk. I know, me too. We're we're chatting about where in the millennial bracket we land because our conversation and your new book are all about redefining and confronting the negative labels that are given to millennials. And a lot of my listener base is kind of in that age bracket. So I think this is going to be really great because I'm all about kind of dispelling stereotypes, right? That's just that aren't fair. Yeah, Yeah. that narrative. So tell us about your book, Redefined, and, and what brought you to write it. Yeah. Well, yeah, like you said, there's that narrative. I remember I was recently in a church and the pastor was going through, and not actually, not recently, I've got to remember pre-COVID. Um, yeah. It's a while ago now, but um, I was in a church and the pastor was telling a story and he was like, well, he was a millennial and the whole church erupted in laughter. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the framework and that's kind of the reputation that we get. And so uh, really the how this book came about was it was never supposed to be a book. Um, I was in special needs reading and writing all the way through my freshman year. Um, So writing a book was never something that was on my mind. Uh, I thought I was like, you know, that's awesome that my parents and my brother can do that. That's fantastic. But it was not for me. And I remember what happened was five years ago, my brother had asked me, he said, hey, we need to target the millennial young adult generation better as a ministry. And so how can we do that? And so I, I started thinking of was like, well, how can we target them? And and, and, you know, what are what is this generation? So I, I went into a big room and I had the whiteboard there and I started writing on the whiteboard all the things I thought this generation was. And I remember I put down, I said, we're creative, we're innovative. I said, we're pioneers, we're entrepreneurs, we're all these things. And I was like, you know what? I need more help. And I was like, I never post anything on, on Facebook. And I was like, I'll just go to my Facebook and ask the question. And so I asked this question of, if you could describe the young adult generation in one word, what would it be? And I remember this question got such a massive response. I mean, I had so many responses that were flooding in, but to my dismay, they were all things that were negative. There were things like broken, lost, entitled, disillusioned, discouraged, fearful uh, generation. And I was watching all of these things come in and they were not just comments from the older generation. They were comments from my generation. And what I've seen past even this past year in 2020 is that there's been a lot of labels that have been placed on our generation and our generation is starting to begin to believe those labels that have been spoken over us by the world. And we react and we make decisions based off of those labels. And Mm. I remember in this moment, as I was watching all those things come in, God began to give me scripture that was uh, contrary to all of those words that were coming in. And, And I remember I just, the, I I began to start feeling so much hope for my generation. I said, you know what? My generation needs to know these things. 
And so how this became or like started as a book was it was not supposed to be a book, as I said. Right. But I, I began to take the words that were written in those uh, in that Facebook post and I began to write them down in my journal and I would journal my prayer for the generation. Mm. And I would do, write out, you know, all the scriptures that God had spoken that were contrary to that. And I began to discover something um, is that God does not ever label us. Um, you know, the world labels us and a label is something that is temporary. It speaks to who we are right now in the moment or who we have been in the past. It does not speak to the potential that who we have to become. And God does not label us. He calls us. And a calling speaks to the eternity that he's placed within our heart. And the problem is, is we have a generation right now who is listening so much. We know what the, you know, what the social media says about us. We know what our favorite pastor says about us, but we don't know what the word of God mm. is calling over our generation. And we're believing those things to be true. And I want to see so much more for our generation. Oof. Okay. I love that it starts out. I wasn't ever supposed to even write a book. The best books come from that, from just you're doing the work and God goes, this is a book. Those are the best ones. God and or I my think- mom. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's hey, my true. Mom, my mom, I'm like, my mom forced it out too, which I mean, I'm sure she was led by God, but I'm just. I was about to say, you know, or God yeah. told your mom and then your mom yeah, told you. Exactly. Um, I, I think what you said about we believe what is spoken over us. It, because like you said, it's literally coming from the older generation. It can be coming from the news, from the pulpit, from social media, from our own people, like our own parents. And I think it's important to note that there are for sure super entitled, discouraged, etc. There are people like that in our generation. Nobody's out here trying to act like we're not. Yeah. You know, we're perfect, but we are not like you said, we are not defined by that. It's it's a it's an attribute, not a definition, and it's something that God can redeem within us, especially if people like you are doing what you're doing and speaking truth. Yeah. I remember I remember what my parents used to do. And and they would do this which was so interesting, but they would pick these moments where we were acting out, we were doing something wrong, we were talking back to them. And when we were kids, they would be like, in those moments, they would be like, hey, you're a prince. And I hated it. I was like, mom, Mm. what does that mean? And and she was like, (laughs) no, you're a prince. And princes don't talk like that. And and even though the, the, you know, she could have said, hey, you're, you're being spoiled, you're doing this, you're doing this. What she was doing is she was not speaking to the person that I was in that moment. She was speaking to the potential I had on my life. And I remember she kept doing that and saying, hey, you're a prince, you're a prince. And I didn't understand it when I was a kid. My brothers didn't understand it. But as we grew up and as we understood what the word of God said about us and the inheritance that we had as sons and daughters of God, we walked that out. And we understood that by understanding what the word is. And I think Mm -hmm. we have a lot of uh, sons and daughters of God right now who we don't, they don't, they don't understand what it means to be a son or a daughter of God. They haven't walked in the fullness of that. And so they're allowing not that to be the defining factor yeah. of their life, but allowing the labels that, yes, they could be, like you said, they could be justified. They could be true. There's, I, you know, you look around, I, I've seen studies where it says millennials are the hardest generation to employ because we <laughs> make it hard on our employers. We leave our job within like six months. 
And we could say, you know what, that's all true, rather than looking at the word of God and saying, you know what, no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to write the narrative, not the world. Amen. Why? Okay, so you and I know, it's. this is one of those, like, you and I, I think, know the answer to this. But I think that there are people who can kind of gloss over what you just said about the importance of knowing what is true and what God says about us. And because I know that the Beveres can bring the freaking heat, tell me why that's important. Like, just break that down. If I don't understand, why is that important that I know what is true and what God says about me? Because, well, because all, where all of your power comes from. Like, you look at the story of Jesus in the wilderness. So Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, he does fasting out there. And then at the end of his uh, trial there, he, the enemy comes and tempts him. But before the enemy tempts him, he questions who he is. He says, mm-hmm. if you are truly the son of God, then you would be able to do this. Now, the enemy knew exactly who Christ was. Like he, he was with the word in the foundations of the world before the foundations of the world. He was with the word in heaven. He knew exactly who he was. And what the enemy was trying to do was get Jesus to show some cheap, insecure display of power to in order to prove who he was. And I love Jesus's response is Jesus response is not, you know, hey, uh, I know I'm the son of God or God told me I'm the son of God. No, his response was he used scripture. He used Mm. scripture to combat the lies about his identity. He was able to put it back on the enemy using the power of scripture. And I think that's so important because we have a generation, as I said, before, we have a lot of information, but we are lacking the transformation that comes from the word of God, from understanding what the word of God brings, what the word of God speaks over our life. And I love it because there is a story in Acts 22. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's the story of Paul and he's about to be flogged. And Paul's about to go through this very crucial and very, very painful thing. And he looks at the Roman officer and he says, hey, is it lawful? Um, In other words, what right do you have? And he says, for I am a Roman citizen. And, mm-hmm. and I love the response that the Roman officer has is that one translation says the fear of God hit him. And he went to his superior officer and he said, hey, man, this, this man is a Roman. And the superior officer comes to Paul and he says, hey, with a great deal of money, I paid for this. And, and Paul says, in other words, what did you do? And Paul looks back at him. He says, but I was born a Roman. And see, this is the thing we've got to understand is that you may not have been born into a Christian household or born into a Christian family or born into a Christian church or anything like that. When you were born again, you were born into the kingdom of God, which gives you the ability through the pain, through the hard experiences that you're going to go through to be able to look back at the enemy and say, hey, what right do you have? For I am a child of God. And when you do that, it strikes the fear of God into the enemy. And we forget, uh, you started the statement with it's where our power comes from. And we've watered, you know, especially as Americans, we've watered Christianity down so much in so many ways in our theology and, and in our practice. But scripture does not play with how much power we have in Christ. I mean, I, I will, str- you can straight up be like, yo, enemy you have no power here get out in the name of jesus and he has to leave we forget that we forget that we are you know that the verse in timothy of uh, i have a spirit of power and it's coupled with love and self-control it's not power hungry it's not dominative it's just we're 
freaking powerful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, understanding. I love uh, Romans. Romans, where it talks about the unveiling of God's glory, sons and daughters. It says yes. the entire universe, entire cosmos is standing on tiptoe, waiting for God's glorious sons and daughters. And understanding that, because I've figured out in my life that, you know, it's not that I am powerful, that I have this great ability. I have fallen flat on my face so much, but as I've leaned into the spirit of God, what he's graced me with, what he's gifted me. And I remember even just reading this book, uh, like I said, <laughs> I special needs reading and writing. I had to read this book as the audio book. And I was like, that is the scariest thing I can do. I was like, you don't want me to read it. I remember when I was sending in my, my clip uh, that they had to like listen to, to decide if I could even do it. I was like, should I just on purposely like just botch it and just make <laughs> sure they don't pick me. And I was like, no, I need to do it. And then they picked me and I was like, okay, I can do this. And, and I came in and I did my first chapter and they were like, okay, average chapter takes about 30 to 50 minutes to read. And I was like, great, I can do that. And then I remember I finished my first chapter in an hour and 45 minutes. And not only that, after I finished it, uh, they were like, hey, there's a problem with the audio. We have to go back and redo it all over again. So I was like, oh, this is so bad. And I remember as I was going back through the next chapter, I just was continuing to struggle. And I realized, I said, wait, this is not something God's like, this is not a strength that I have. I have mm -hmm. to rely on God. And I remember I told the guys, I said, guys, I need to stop. Um, I need to go do something. I went to the bathroom and I just prayed. I said, God, I need your grace. I need your Holy Spirit in there. And I think we do a disservice to our lives so much when we don't welcome and openly walk with the Holy Spirit's leading mm -hmm. and power with us. Because I remember I did that. I came back in and I was able to finish the next chapter in 25 minutes. And, and yes. so God just was able to move through someone who showed right there on the spot that I, it's not me, it's God no. who works inside of me. Absolutely. And I, but, but he, that last sentence, it's him who works through us, right? Yeah. You, you know, it can be a little bit of a, a, a gray area or a slippery slope talking about our power, but it's always has to have that qualifier of like in and through Christ. I want to talk about social media real quick. So I know you talk in the book about how it can be a breeding ground for pride and comparison and jealousy. As someone who has struggled with those things in the past, I now have crazy boundaries with social media, very strict and very guarded boundaries. What advice do you have for people both navigating pride and comparison and, and jealousy yeah. and all those negative things that it can breed and also creating those boundaries. Yeah. I, well, I think those things, and I think that's really smart that you do have those boundaries because I think comparison and pride, all those stuffs are really slippery slopes. And if you, like I've, I've found myself at times where I'll just, I just start scrolling and I start going, clicking deeper, 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 and start getting these questions of all this stuff. And, and I find myself in a place where I'm like, man, where I don't even like myself kind of thing anymore. I'm like, I don't like who I am. <laughs> and I'm I like, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I just need to, I was like, I'll just exit out of this. And so I, I made sure to set up those things as well for myself. And I remember last year, what God, God gave me a great revelation about himself and, and his creations. And I remember um, he talked to me and he said, you know, Arden, I am an infinite God. And he said, because I'm an infinite God, he said, that means that there is an infinite amount of expressions that are, are about me. And he said, mm -hmm. because I've created every single one of my children uniquely, he said, there is a unique expression of 
of me found in all of my sons and daughters throughout the world that the world is waiting to see. That has never seen before yes. ever. And, and I thought that was something so interesting is that inside of every single one of his sons and daughters, there is a expression of God that you have never seen before. And I think that's mm. why the enemy wants you to compare, wants you to use, like use the social media as a great way for you to get distracted off of what's unique about you, what God's placed inside of you and focus on all of those other things. Because when you focus on all those other things, you are hiding an aspect, a attribute of God that the world has yet to see. That, that could be something that's going to lead someone to Christ, lead someone to, to glory. So I think it's so important that we set up those boundaries, that we understand the uniqueness that God has placed inside of us, that we go to him and understand he's created me in this way. He didn't create me in faults. He didn't create me in things. And we don't buy into this narrative, the, the world's narrative of, hey, show me your, show me your strengths and hide all your weaknesses. Whereas right. we serve a God that says, show me your, your weakness and I will make you strong. And so we just continue yeah. to buy into that and allowing that to be our defining factors. I actually literally have a course and it's called run your race because I got so tired of watching women specifically, because that's obviously my people, uh, watching them want to run someone else's race specifically on social media. They felt and, and therefore were abandoning their gifts. My church says, uh, you are the Arden expression of Christ. You are mm. the Blake expression of Christ. And, you know, I, I was watching these women that I loved and that because I knew them, I knew that they were deeply gifted encouragers or artists or, yeah. you know, fill in the blank. But they had bought the lie that in order for your gift to matter, it has to be a certain thing and it has to have a certain yeah. tag and it has to have a blue check mark. And part of that, I think, is because we see so much focus on those things and on those people that even the church has forgotten how to cultivate these gifts that matter so deeply that are honestly, in my opinion, more important than, you know, the ones that are maybe like in the spotlight or, yeah. you know, whatever. And so it is, it's such a, it's such a breeding ground for those things, but then it's also such a beautiful place for connection and meeting other people whose gifts don't look like yours that you get to glean from. And I think we get to make it what it is. Yeah, social media, I think, is great, too. And the fact that never before have we had a generation that can impact someone all the way across the world, like yes. just through one post, they can make they make honestly an impact, a, a, a you know, a, a heart connection, something like that. And I think that's why it has been so twisted is because it, it can mm -hmm. be used as an amazing tool. Um, you know, I, I remember I was at one conference, a youth conference, and I was doing a QA and a and one of the guys was like, yeah, the social media is the devil. And he's like, just stay away from it. And I was like, no, no. That's exactly what the devil would want you to think. And so because you can use it for so much good, you just have to be smart. You have to be, uh, you know, honestly aware guarded. of the things yeah. that, yeah, guarded the, the challenges and the things that will bring. But if you just look at it as like, hey, this is something so bad, all this stuff, then you're missing out on what 
the potential can come from it. Um, because I think I, I do believe that this generation is called to impact the world unlike anything we've seen. And I think the evidence is there when we've seen that no other generation before us would have the ability to be able to do that. Um, and social media and things like that has given us the ability to be able to make that impact. Yeah, go, going back to the generational conversation, you know, before social media, let's use Beth Moore as an example, which she's obviously integrated into the, the social media movement. But before, the only reason, the only way she was able to reach people was her books and speaking at conferences. Conferences, correct. And there are limits to those things. There are, there are um, territorial, not territorial, but like proximity there's language barriers, there's, you know, there's so many ways. And like you said, our generation, because we picked up social media, especially so many Christian speakers and writers and creatives, like you said, I, I don't travel and speak. I have two really young kids and I can reach thousands of people from my office and yeah. never have to leave my house. You know what I mean? Amazing. And that's, that is such a strength of the millennial generation is because we kind of, depending on where you land in it, we grew up with internet and social media. We understand it and we understand how to navigate it. And if our heart is and our motive are to glorify God with it, that's unlit. That's limitless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I think it's true across the board. Like you said, it's, you know, you see the Beth Moore is like, I watch my parents as they, yeah. they kind of realized through quarantine, like, hey, we, uh, we had to, they had to change up their schedules. They had to stop traveling as much. And right. they were like, if we just jump on a live, we had, you know, 5,000 people on a live. We were able just to impact all those people just sitting here, like you said, in our living room. And so I, I think that's what God's really setting up this move. You know, we just, we are releasing as a ministry, an app called Messenger X, where we are trying to allow it to impact. We're trying to get resources in the hands of every single Christian around the world for free. And we're like, well, never before, like 10 years ago, when we started all of our missions, like you said, it was we had to send books out and then yes. we had to do a conference. But now we get to literally send something to someone's phone as a daily encouragement to continue to get the discipleship walk with them. Because I think you know, we've done the, this idea of discipleship is I go to church once a week and that's it. But discipleship right. is a daily action. It's something that costs you a lot. You know, I, I heard this saying one time and I love this is that salvation's free, but discipleship costs you everything. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that's what we've got to understand. It's not this say just I, I get saved. And then uh, if I just go to church every now and then that's, that's the reality of it. It's you no, know, it's this continual walk. And that's what we get the ability to impact someone on something that they pick up every single day on their phone mm -hmm. um, that they're able to go through every single day. So I think, I think we just need to see it for what it is, the potential that it has and use it for good. Amen. This is one of my favorite questions to ask people. So this is, I'm so excited for this book and for people to listen to this and for the, you know, the book to get into people's hands. But if there was one thing out of redefined that you knew people would walk away with what would it be um yeah that i mean that's a hard question I know. it's so it's hard but i hard. love asking yeah, it <laughs> exactly well i mean and that's the thing like the the book i broke it up into 10 different chapters of 10 different words that i took from my journal 
And they were words that I spoke to me the most. I think, you know, the word that defines me and that I hope always defines me, me the most is uh, the fear of God. And I talk about, you know, not being a fearful generation, but getting hold of the true fear of God, because that's what allows us to live fearlessly and making sure I just don't think our generation knows what the fear of God is. I've heard it said by so many people that, um, you know, hey, the fear of God is not something that's in my relationship with God, because the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. There's no room for fear of fear in my relationship. Uh, but that's not actually not true. Uh, well, that that is true. But what it's talking about is a worldly fear, not a godly mm-hmm. fear. And I love Exodus mm-hmm. twenty twenty shows both of those fears in one scripture. It says, do not fear for God has come to test that his fear. May we be within you so that you do not sin. And that would be really confusing if it was just one fear. But what it was showing is the fear of the world and the fear of God. And the fear of God is actually the word into me into me, and I might be ruining that, but what it means is into intimacy. It's a deeper level of intimacy that we experience with God that keeps us close to his heart. And I remember uh, my dad always used to tell us, he said, hey, the fear of God is not being afraid of God. It's being afraid of being away from him. And what Mm. the fear of God does is it makes it so you say, you know what, God, I fear you more than anything else in this world, which means I will obey you. You see, I think a lot of People in the world today think, you know, the problem and God's role is just to offset it. And, and that's it. What we do is we are giving the world unmerited power where God, scripture shows that God is far scarier, more powerful than the world. And when we try to just balance off the things of this world and say, God, you just need to offset it. You need to offset all the things that are going wrong rather than allowing his kingdom to come then we are giving the world unmerited power. And so I think as a generation, we have to lean into that because that keeps us true to what the word of God says. Uh, I love it in Romans, he even talks about it. He says, he says the chief sin. Um, so was, I think it's, I believe it's Romans three, but he says your chief sin. So the chief sin, the thing that boils down. So you know, think about it. The, thing, the sin that boils down to all the rest, the reason why you sin so much is that you have no fear of God at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I love it mm-hmm. because, Fear of God is shown throughout people throughout the Bible that loved and had a close, intimate relationship with God. Abraham, when he's about to sacrifice Isaac, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, now that I know that you fear God. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's missed in our generation. I think that's why we're we're being able to twist the word of God and say, you know, hey, I want it to bit more of my agenda rather than what the word of God actually says. We pick and choose because the fear of God will not allow you to pick and choose scriptures and, and do sermons off of that or, or share with your friends just based off of those one things. It, it looks at the Bible as a whole and it keeps you close to his word. Amen. See, and like your dad, I, when I was with your dad, I feel like I just sat like this the whole time. I was like, bring it. No, keep going. Yes. So good. I love that that's a family trait of y'all's and it's it's so powerful. And I can't, like I said, I can't wait for people to read your book. But when this comes out, your book will be out in the world and we'll link to it in the show notes so people can can get to it and follow you and, and follow along with sons and daughters. Arden, thank you so much for taking the time to just share your heart and share your wisdom. This was so much fun. Uh, All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? 
That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week.